So welcome back, everyone. You have your, uh, you can have your video on. That's, it's nice to see people. So I want in my talk and in the discussion to explore particularly the themes of uh, generosity and gratitude. And this is um, somewhat of a, I don't know, I don't know if I'd call it US-centric talk and exploration because this is partly in relationship to the holiday which we have tomorrow called Thanksgiving. And I want to uh, really explore that in three main ways. Um, partly to look into the practices of generosity and gratitude, which really reflect um, the best qualities of this holiday uh, and are, are, are very general enough and beautiful qualities that it's wonderful to emphasize. And then I'd also like to talk just a little bit, particularly at the beginning, about the, uh, about the nature of the holiday, which is happening tomorrow, which is, which is uh, called Thanksgiving. So I'll explore how we practice generosity and gratitude um, and really point to it as a practice which is something we do individually. We can also very much do it uh, relationally and even in in, in terms of the larger society. And I wanted to just make a few comments about the, the holiday, uh, which again, people are looking at, uh, and has, it's complex in many ways. It has, it can, in the US at least, it's one of the uh, most uh, non-commercial holidays, which is quite wonderful. It's linked uh, in other traditions, other cultures, to really what could be called the harvest festival, usually in the fall. A lot of societies would be earlier, but it's, it's celebrated in many uh, cultures around the world as, as a celebration of the harvest, which is in part what the holiday, uh, holiday has been. And yet there's also for people in the U.S., and I think it can relate to people as well, in other countries. There's also what we might call uh, a certain uh, shadow element that this, uh, the holiday is also related to what's happened with what we might call the near genocide of native people, of indigenous people in what's now the US and something similar happened in, in Canada, although not, not in the same ways. And it also I think can relate to just really, really how we, how we work with the unhealed harm of the past. How do we repair the damage? So I said, I'll say a little bit about Thanksgiving and I'll, I'll first uh, show some images. So, oops, let me go back up. So here's, here's an image 
from a, a famous painting of the first Thanksgiving meal, which was supposed to have taken place and probably did take place in 1621 in the Plymouth Colony in Massachusetts, what's now Massachusetts. And this was a gathering where there were uh, reported to be both the original pilgrims who had just arrived that year, along with the local uh, native tribe called the uh, Wampanoag. And in another famous image, you can see the um, native people being offered food. Historians actually, uh, historians can actually, have actually said that these images are not actually correct, that there probably were many, many times more the native people than the actual pilgrims, and that the native people brought most of the food. <laughs> that's, that's what historians say. And so there's some um, lack of clarity there. But for many native people, of course, this is really the beginning of an invasion. You know, one native... Uh, one native writer once said, we should have had a more strict immigration policy. <laughs> right. And in any case, um, and so it's sometimes uh, seen as, even though there were these elements, which, were, which actually did happen, of collaboration and friendship, uh, it didn't last very long. The, these are people from the Wapanoag tribe. And within a short time, they were virtually annihilated. 16 years after this happened, there were major massacres and large numbers of the native people were, were killed. There was a report of a suspected murder by a native person of, a, of one of the uh, pilgrims. And in response to that, they killed 500 native people. So these, this is some of the history. So there was not a continuing friendship, right? It, and so for some of the native people, this is actually every year in Plymouth, the, the descendants of the Wapanoags have a, uh, on Thanksgiving Day, they have a national day of mourning. And so I'll come back to that. I'll come back to all of this. Um, this, is, this is part of the context, really, for looking at these beautiful qualities of generosity and gratitude. So I mentioned this is a complex holiday, you know, and I, I want to bring our, our minds both to the positive elements of friendship and collaboration, but also to the, uh, basically the unrepaired history. And I think this is also very relevant for people in other countries. I know we have people here from France and Germany, and certainly there are aspects of that in, in, you know, there, there are really um, particularly related to uh, uh, colonialism and, you know, we can also go back to uh, the Holocaust and there, there, are ways of, there are ways that there has been some repair, but there is also a continuing need for that. So how does one relate to a difficult past, you know, that in some ways one was not, one did not cause the original problems. But, you know, as one Native friend said, we are not guilty, but we are responsible in the present moment for 
basically for responding to the current situation. So that's something just to note. And I'll interweave it a little bit with the themes of, of uh, uh, generosity and gratitude. And they're very much related, uh, generosity and gratitude. And this will be my primary focus the rest of the time. Um, that this is from the Buddha, really relating the quality of generosity, of offering, of giving, to the quality of gratitude. These two people are hard to find in the world. Which two? The one who is first to do a kindness, and then the one who is grateful and thankful for a kindness done. So there's a relationship. We are generous, and then we are grateful for, especially for receiving generosity, but we could say also for even being able to offer generosity. Because we know, and we'll come back to this, how many of you know that actually when you are generous and give a gift, as it were, you also receive a gift? How many know that from your experience? So it's a very interesting connection. And so what we'll look at are the nature of these two qualities and how we practice with generosity and gratitude. It is partly related to the holiday, but it's also these are wonderful qualities to develop. And sometimes we don't emphasize these as much because of the emphasis on meditation. You know that both of these are really, really uh, crucial. This is from a Zen master named Steve Stuckey who died about eight years ago. The spirit of giving is based on a feeling of gratitude, of being deeply thankful for the ability to give and to receive, to be free, freely willing to participate in this reciprocal turning of life energy. And both of these qualities cut across, or cut against, I should say, the, you know, the fundamental issues identified in the Buddhist tradition as the source of difficulty and suffering, that these go against basically greed and hatred and delusion. When we practice generosity, we, um, we really go against that kind of grasping after what's good only for me. We say the generosity goes against self-centered grasping and gratitude really is a way to cut through reactive aversion, you know, and, and we can practice all of these. And some of you may know, if you ever have difficulty with someone you're connected with, one of the best ways to work with that is to give the person a gift. That's a practice, right? <clears throat> you're having, you can do that either material gift or some other kind of gift. It's a very interesting way to work with our own uh, negativity. Right? Not the only way to work and not maybe always appropriate, but, but often can be very, very skillful. So first on generosity, then on gratitude. So interestingly, generosity is um, such a core value in many cultures. And it's also a practice which the Buddha said we should develop first. You know, that, um, that when the Buddha gave teachings, he frequently said 
first develop generosity even before you learn how to meditate. In the West, we do it in the opposite direction. First, we meditate, and then we come back and say, oops, better develop a little generosity also. So, but the, the Buddha often would give a talk on generosity. The, the Pali word is dana. He would often give that talk as the first talk in his gradual, in what he would call his gradual explanation of the entire teachings. Generosity would be the first topic. And so if you look to one of the teachings called the paramis, the development of the core qualities, generosity is listed first. It's what we develop first. And it's, it's really found in virtually every culture. You know, and, uh, you know, in, in Jewish tradition, for example, there's a long-standing approach where one gives away 10% of one's uh, yearly earnings. And, and the term actually is sedaka, and it's related to uh, the concepts of justice and righteousness. Generosity is very cl closely connected to a notion of, of justice. In the Christian tradition, there is the notion of um, uh, charitas. The word that we have for charity, actually it's kind of a mistranslation the way we use the word because the original word charitas actually is a translation of the term for unconditional love. That's where our word charity comes from. It's about having love as one's basic operating principle. You know, and we, we think of charity now more as kind of a, a limiting giving to those in needs, but it really isn't the original idea. And in Islam, uh, that sense of charity, uh, the word is uh, zakat in in Arabic, and it means purification. And it's one of the five pillars of Islam. That one of the five pillars of Islam is to give, to be generous. And it's taken to purify, much like I was mentioning in the Buddhist tradition, it's meant to purify one's heart of greed. So these are very central, very, very common also in indigenous uh, traditions. In the uh, Lungundan East African tradition, it said, you can share even if you have a little. And this is from, uh, from uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu from South Africa. In the African understanding of Ubuntu, our humility and generosity also come from realizing that we could not be alive nor could we accomplish anything without the support, love, and generosity of all the people who have helped us to become the people we are today. So again, uh, generosity is linked to gratitude, to appreciation for receiving gifts, and really very much like uh, an approach which I first learned about in Native traditions of the gift that keeps moving, kind of a universal circulation of gifts is very close to the spirit of generosity. Now, I remember going to uh, British Columbia, invited there by my, my friend uh, Patricia Vickers into a community about 14 hours north of Vancouver, and it was a potlatch ceremony, which is a generosity ceremony. It was a ceremony of giving, and it last, lasted for three days. 
And I was one of not too many non-native people who was invited. And it was just three days of giving gifts to everyone. I received gifts. It was pretty cool. You know, and it was just this uh, notion of gift giving and connection as the fundamental reality, really. You know, the gift that keeps moving. You don't keep the gift, you keep circulating. You keep circulating things. And of course, we can, uh, we can look to the ways that maybe that sense of generosity is sometimes constrained or limited and see the way that it's, it's there to some extent in the society. Giving is one of the core qualities of a uh, bodhisattva or a great being in the Buddhist tradition. It's, this is said, when the great one, the bodhisattva, gives an external object, the bodhisattva gives whatever is needed to whomever stands in need of it. And knowing by oneself that someone was in need of it, one gives even unasked, much more when asked. One gives sufficiently, not insufficiently. When there is not enough to give sufficiently, one distributes evenly whatever can be shared, and so forth. And interestingly, it's um, also said that um, the generosity or giving should not be harmful to oneself. And so in the teachings, it's said that one gives as a deep part of one's nature, but one gives in a way that is not harmful to others and not harmful to oneself. That, um, that can coexist with stretching a little bit when you give, just to be clear. <laughs> so what does one give? One can give um, food or clothing or shelter. One can give uh, teachings. It's said that the gift of the Dharma is the highest gift. Sometimes one can give education or culture. Or one can sometimes give one's own life. You know, in the, in the story of the Buddha's past lives, it's said that he actually um, at one point offered his own life to save another being. So that would be sort of the ultimate sacrifice. Another image, very powerful sense of, of giving and generosity that we wouldn't usually think about. I have an image for this. Um, is that one can actually offer um, a kind of fearlessness. This is the figure of the Buddha. I actually have, this was a photo, I have this right behind me. But this is a figure of the Buddha in the gesture called abhaya, which is the, the gesture of do not fear. And it's said that as one practices, one increasingly becomes a source of safety for oneself and others. And this can be um, a beautiful sense of generosity that we might not even be thinking about. I become increasingly safe. The other person doesn't have to fear me in terms of what I will say or do. And this was the Buddha with the hand gesture basically saying, do not fear, you do not have cause to fear. And I had another image which I found recently, 
This is from uh, a German artist named Otto Pankok. Uh, I don't know when he did this image, but this is an image of Jesus breaking a gun. Also a sense of, you have nothing to fear. I am, you know, I am breaking my weapons. My weapons are being uh, decommissioned. I found this a very intense image, a right? very powerful image from a um, German artist who actually went through the Nazi time and his, um, his paintings and images were declared uh, unsuitable for the public. Let's see, did I, uh, Carlita, did I finish the uh, sc screen share? Is that o uh, over now? Okay, thank you. So just a few other things to say about uh, generosity. And then, and then I can, um, uh, then I'll talk about gratitude. So some other things about generosity are that it really, the key is really the intention. It especially counters uh, greed, which is really the um, uh, really taken as one of the core issues. We, we know we often speak about greed, hatred, and delusion. And what we try to do with generosity is that we try to we try to end uh, that motivation by greed. And I actually just remembered something that I forgot to say related to the quality of do not fear, which was something that just happened yesterday and today, um, of the gift of fearlessness. We had in, on my, I live in Berkeley, California, and about three or four days ago, we had something happen where there were, um, late at night, I think it was the night that there was a partial eclipse, we had... Um, we had gunfire in our community, probably about, you know, about, a, about 50 yards from my house at the end of the street. Apparently one person was chasing someone else and there were shots fired into someone's house, probably not at all related to the person, but it happened and windows were broken and it was pretty scary. And so actually last night, I and about four or five other people we walked around the neighborhood in a kind of a healing ceremony, basically trying to offer protection and safety for the street after this event, right? And, it, you know, we walked up and down the street, remembering the people who lived in a house and offering them safety and protection. You know, it was a quite a beautiful ritual that we did, sort of a, almost like a you know, uh, this happened, this was scary. Let us return more to that non-fear attitude. And that was very, very, it was a little bit intense. I, I was wondering whether to share this, but we did that last night. And sometime last night, someone tried to break into or possibly steal my automobile and my windows were broken. Uh, apparently nothing was stolen, but this is... Uh, uh, I had to deal with this this morning rather than do extra preparation about generosity and gratitude. Anyway, that, that happened, and I'm, I think I'm doing okay. But this is all, how do we, you know, it actually is related 
to something I wanted to mention, which is that it's possible also to have generosity and gratitude when difficult or bad things happen. And I'll come back to that theme because it's a very, that's sort of advanced practice. But this is some of what is happening in my own, you know, experience as I contemplate uh, generosity and gratitude. So we want to counter greed. And I think in some ways we can also counter, uh, counter fear. You know, we want to, we want to get at the greed in our life, which says, let me collect something just for me. It's sort of the self-centeredness that we're getting at. And I, I remember, I think I've mentioned this from time to time, that about quite a while ago, I uh, offered a class. Uh, I think we just offered it freely. It wasn't through Spirit Rock. Uh, with my, uh, I offered it along with my colleague, Diana Winston. I think I've talked about this from time to time. It was a class in greed management, kind of along the lines of anger management. We offered the class in greed management, and we had extremely low enrollment. <laughs> I don't know if it'd be different now. We had, um, we had five people sign up, and we had two teachers. But... You know, Diane and I, we really wanted to teach the class, so we didn't really care. Five people, it's okay. Ten people, a hundred people. But we had five people, we taught the class, and our final, um, we gave a final exam, which was to do a silent walking meditation for half an hour through a newly opened Bed Bath & Beyond store in the neighborhood. And so we did 30 minutes of walking meditation, studying greed that would arise. But one of the interesting things we found, we really got to study greed closely. And what we found, what is greed? Greed is a narrow focus only on my, when there's greed, there's a narrow focus only on my needs. There's a lot of self-centeredness. There's virtually no focus on other people's needs. Often very short-term focus not looking to consequences or the love. When we're in the grip of greed, we just grasp. And so very helpful to study greed. This would be the other side of working with generosity would be to study greed. And there often with greed would be a lack of um, sense of connection with others. Sometimes a sense of being out of control. You know, I'm just in the grip of greed. So we looked at that and really studying what makes generosity hard is part of the practice of generosity. So I think I'll just, I'll just mention that. And so how do we practice generosity if we want to take this on as a practice? It could be a theme that we look at if we're relating to the Thanksgiving holiday. We can um, practice in different ways. We can we can, again, we could look carefully when there's greed in the mind. Set your radar to notice greed or grasping and study it. That would be really an important way to practice. We could also do something like uh, one generous uh, act a day or two generous acts. And the, the generous acts could be small or larger it could be, I could uh, make a list of what would be generous. It would be generous maybe to call up a friend in need 
or to make connection or offer my friendship or connection to someone I haven't spoken to for a while or to do something specific for a person to help someone or to offer someone or one thing that I sometimes do is I just carry money or things to offer people when I'm in an urban area and there are people who are homeless, right? You know, so there are many, many ways, but one could say, let me do one generous act today. That would be an interesting form of practice. Again, it could be small, could be medium or larger. Um, they did an experiment where they gave people, uh, I think they gave people $100. And, you know, this was, a, this was an experiment. They gave people $100. One group, they said, keep the $100 for yourself. The other group, they said, give the $100 away, however you choose. And then they did studies of these people's experience after, you know, after the period, after, you know, after the people who had given it away had given it away. And they studied their level of happiness. And they found that the level of happiness was way, way greater for the people who gave away $100 as opposed to the people who kept it. Isn't that interesting? Very, very interesting. And so one could, one practice that I do is whenever I have an urge to be generous, I follow it, even if they're second thoughts, right? That's something, that's a practice you could do. And I, I know some other people do that. Whenever there's a generous urge, follow it. And so different ways that one could, could uh, practice you know, and anyone else like to mention a way that you cultivate generosity? Maybe one or two people, if anything occurs to you. How to practice generosity. Anything occur to you that you'd like to share? You could do the raised hand function. Okay, I'll wait one more moment. Okay, Nancy, please. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you, Nancy. Giving one's time. Very beautiful. Yeah, maybe maybe Nancy and then I'll then I'll go on. Please, Nancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Or I'm sorry. Yeah. So we had, yeah, we had the two Nancys. Uh, Jenny, did you want to add just if you can do it briefly? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're on.
Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it's related to what uh, uh, Nancy Weininger was talking about, the, the gift of time, the gift of listening. So these are wonderful. So we can come back and in a little bit we'll have to open discussion. We can come back to these. So let's go to gratitude. And again, we can remember both of these in relationship to even to the Thanksgiving holiday, to, you know, the sense of uh, how might we be generous in relationship even to the harm that has been done over the centuries. What does generosity mean? What does gratitude mean? So what is gratitude? Again, it's um, gratitude is a quality that especially is there because we have received generosity. We have received something. We have received life. We have received this or that. And there can be a natural gratitude that comes. Again, this is something we find deep in many, many traditions. This is from uh, Thomas Merton from the uh, contemplative Christian tradition. He says, my own personal task is basically to praise God out of an inner center of silence, gratitude, and awareness. This can be realized in a life that apparently accomplishes nothing. My task is simply the breathing of the gratitude from day to day in simplicity, and for the rest turning my hand to whatever comes, work being part of praise, whether splitting logs or writing poems, or best of all, simple notes. And this is from the uh, Iroquois, in uh, what's now U.S. and Canada, giving daily thanks for one's for nature's gifts has always been an important way of living for traditional Native people. The Six Nations of the uh, Haudenosaunee or Iroquois, who live in New York State and parts of southeastern Canada, express their thanks in a rest in a recitation known as the Thanksgiving Address sometimes referred to as the words that come before all else. And this is, this is the Thanksgiving address from the Iroquois. With one mind, we turn to honor and thank all the food plants we harvest from the garden. Since the beginning of time, the grains, vegetables, beans, and berries have helped the people survive. Many other living things draw strength from this too. We gather all the plant foods together as one and send them a greeting of thanks. Uh, what would it be like to go about one's day appreciating and giving gratitude to people, to plants, to trees, and have that kind of relationship, right? That's, that, that's, that would be one way of practicing. So we can have gratitude for what we receive from the plants, for our own particular uh, benefits and good things in our lives, for the land, for um, for one's what is beautiful from one's ancestors, uh, you know, for the joy of practice, for all sorts of things, for beauty, uh, for the gifts of one's life, and again. One of the ways we can practice gratitude, and I, I personally still, I've been doing this for a lot of years, we can write down a list of things we're grateful for and just go over them five or ten minutes a day. And this goes, this goes a very long way. I, I do a gratitude practice for four times a day 
I, rem I just, on the spot, what am I grateful for right now? Very, very brief, but it can make, make a huge difference. And there is this uh, amazing research that shows that when we practice gratitude, amazing things happen to our bodies and mind. Some of you may know this. A lot of the research came out of uh, University of California, Davis, not too far away from, uh, from uh, Robert Emmons. And this is um, one, one author doing research on gratitude said, if gratitude were a drug, it would be the world's best-selling product with a health maintenance indication for every major organ system. These include, this is from uh, uh, Dr. Morali Duraswamy from uh, Duke University. He said, gratitude leads to measurable effects on multiple body and brain systems. These include um, mood neurotransmitters, reproductive hormones, social bonding hormones, cognitive and pleasure-related neurotransmitters, inflammatory and immune systems, stress hormones, cardiac and EEG rhythms, blood pressure, and blood sugar. So five or 10 minutes of gratitude a day, amazing effects, right? Did you know that? You can do gratitude, and um, in, in one uh, study that Robert Emmons did at the University of California, Davis, um, he had two groups. One group uh, was practicing gratitude and kept a gratitude journal, uh, I think just for, uh, just for a week. And then there was a neutral group that, um, that uh, was not practicing gratitude. And what he found was, he said, actually, they did this for 10 weeks. So people practice gratitude for 10 weeks. After 10 weeks, participants in the gratitude group reported feeling better about their lives in a whole and were 25% happier <laughs> than the control group, according to the studies. They reported fewer health complaints, and they exercised 1.5 hours more. Just that was a correlation. You know, I don't know the causality. But that's what happened from gratitude practice. So again, in many ways, it goes against uh, much of the grain of the culture. You know, it's gratitude, it's uh, recognizing interconnection. We can even, I think I was mentioning this earlier in terms of some of the challenges that, that I had looked at this morning, we can even have gratitude for difficult things that happen. You know, that we can actually, over time, appreciate that we actually can learn from what's difficult. If we have the right attitude, what's difficult can be part of a learning experience. This is from the Persian poet Hafez. And he said, I had to seek the physician. The physician would be the metaphor for the spiritual teacher. I had to seek the physician because of the pain this world caused. <clears throat> I could not believe what happened when I got there. I found my teacher. Before I left, my teacher said, up for a little homework? Okay, I replied. Well, then try thanking all the people who have caused you pain. They helped you come to me. So that's, can you relate to that? Maybe a little while later that some of the difficult experiences actually were openings to learning experiences. You know, and there's a beautiful story that I remember reading 
from, I brought this book in, from uh, Rachel Naomi Remen, a book called Kitchen Table Wisdom. And she tells a pretty amazing story. I don't know if I'll read it, the whole thing, but I'll tell about it. This is about a young man who was, I think, in his 20s, who, was, who had been an athlete, and he was in an automobile accident. And he, to save his life, because the injuries and so forth, they had to um, amputate a leg. And he had been an athlete, very physical, and he was in deep depression for a long time. And he was working with Rachel Naomi Remen, and he was asked to draw a picture at this time of, his, um, of himself. And he drew a picture which had an image of a body, and there were just all these um, holes, almost cracks in the body. You know, and it was was all drawn in black, and the body just had these, almost like these uh, lines that were almost like breaking the body. The body looked like it was broken in some ways, and that was the image he drew of himself. She worked with him over a number of months, and during this time, he actually helped some of the other patients and there was, in particular, uh, a woman whom he, whom he met, and he helped. She had just she was a young woman, I believe, in her twenties, and she had lost uh, a breast due to uh, surgery for breast cancer, and she was also in a really, really rough place. And he actually um, got her to smile by jumping around on his one leg. Eventually, they got married, the two of them. And the young man went through a long process working with Rachel Naomi Remen, and he actually sort of came out the other side. And he, you know, he could see some of the, he could, he could learn things, and he kind of came back to balance. She had him draw another or she had him go back to the original image of himself that he had driven of this broken body. And she asked him, do you want to change this at all? And he actually says, just a little bit. And he took crayons and he added, he took a yellow crayon and had these yellow lines coming in through the cracks of his body. And she asked him, what does this mean? And he said, these cracks and these holes, it's where the light comes through. This is where the healing comes through, the healing and the light. So that was his, he didn't come to that initially, but that was his reflection after six or eight months and of being able to work together. So there are ways that we can recognize that there can even be gratitude for really difficult or painful experiences. Because we, we can learn, because we can really um, bring out beautiful qualities. And it may be that way, I think, even in relationship to some of the harms that, are, that follow the original Thanksgiving. 
You know, if we take responsibility for the harms of the past, even though we are not, as it were, guilty in a direct way, but we are, we are responsible for healing in the present moment. There may be ways in which even that pain can lead to uh, generosity and gratitude. So I thought I would end with um, one of my favorite uh, books about gratitude. And um, this is a book called St. Francis Preaches to the Birds. And I think we have adequate time. I will read you the whole book. I don't usually do that in Dharma talks, but I think we have time. So I'll show you some of the pictures. This is St. Francis. This is, by the way, from the uh, Bread and Puppet Theater people up in Vermont, a very wonderful uh, theater group. It's 5 a.m. Wake up, St. Francis. He opens the window and sings, tra-la-la. He brushes his teeth and he says, thank you, teeth. Remember, this is about gratitude. Thank you, teeth. He washes his toes and says, thank you, toes. <laughs> he gets milk. He drinks his coffee. So a little bit of, you know, I don't, know if they, I don't think they had coffee at the time of St. Francis, but he drinks his coffee and says, thank you, coffee. He goes through the town, through the apple orchard. Over the pasture and up the hill. And the birds come flying, flying, flying. Flying, 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 flying. The birds keep flying. Then St. Francis preaches to the birds. Until the sun sets. Yes, until the sun sets. Good night. So I think that's a lot about gratitude and generosity. And you wouldn't have counted on it, but you got to read a whole book in the talk. So I'll stop there. Thank you, St. Francis. Thank you. Thank you, Bread and Puppet Theater. And let's just take a moment and see what resonated for you. Maybe something you want to share about generosity and gratitude, anything you want to look into. Take just a few moments now.
let's open it up. And if you want to share a way of practicing generosity or practicing gratitude um, or some kind of question, feel free. Okay, looks like we have uh, Carolyn, please. Yeah. Well, beautiful and and joy, I think, is uh, is is pretty close to gratitude, right? It can be it can be pretty close. Something to look into, right? So, uh, yeah, maybe you can, you know, as as the joy uh, is invited, you can also uh, look for the gratitude. I think that that can be very interesting. Great, so I don't know your first name, which is it uh, uh, Bloom, Bloomna? Okay, Haita, yeah, good. Oh, great, yeah. 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 Wonderful question, Haita. Uh, uh, and uh, say hello to Berlin. I, I lived there for a short time. Yeah. Uh, when I was a student, I was a student in uh, Germany for about a year. And I lived in uh, Berlin and. Uh, uh, Schwäbisch uh, Hall, where I learned German, and then also uh, mostly I was a student at Heidelberg. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Wonderful question. How to have a sense of gratitude in the moment? Um, I think it's probably going to depend on the intensity of the difficulty, and uh, you know maybe the maybe this is just coming to mind right now. But maybe a way that we can help uh, have the connection with gratitude is to continually have the notion of everything being a learning experience, right? Can I take this? Can I have the perspective that there's something I can learn from this? I think that would prepare us for gratitude. We may not have gratitude in the moment, but if I say something difficult has happened, can I take this not as just good or bad for me, you know, but take this as take one's whole life as learning. I think that would be a kind of an approach which would lead to gratitude, even if we didn't feel it in the moment, but we we might feel it later. You know, so that's what comes to mind first is to have that general approach where we are um, yeah, really not just looking, oh, let me just have the positive experiences and avoid the negative ones, but have a different approach. Let me learn from everything 
and not just the not just try to have only positive experiences. What can I learn from you know my car window being smashed? You know, <laughs> uh, what what is what? How can I approach that? So that's what comes to mind, and that would be sort of a a, a connection with gratitude. So we may not feel it in the moment, but if we have a learning approach, at some point we we might feel that, and then then you know because. When we have difficult things, I think it's more like, can I take it as part of my practice? And that's going to mean different things. Sometimes it'll mean really being, having, uh, just opening to the difficult emotions, having compassion for oneself, let's say. It might be asking what, what would really be helpful for me. And I would probably want to go there first rather than look for gratitude too quickly. But I think gratitude will be there. If we take it as a learning experience, eventually there'll be gratitude. Oh, this is what I learned from that experience. I wouldn't have thought that, but that's what happened. Yeah. Thanks, Aita. Uh, is it uh, Claudia, please? Yes, hi. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Well, yeah, wonderful, wonderful, uh, Wonderful practice at the end of life. Thank you so much, uh, Claudia. And it's um, it's also very interesting. What would it be like to do those practices before the end of life, <laughs> right? Because that's uh, that what could what we can learn from that. It's very valuable at that time. But what would it be like if you wrote gratitude gratitude letters uh, once a year or more often, right? So I think uh, and. And they were probably, you, you didn't say this, but probably in the study, they found that there were all sorts of benefits from the uh, gratitude letters, right? For on a health level, but probably all sorts of levels. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks very much. Um, Victoria, please. Yeah.
Why don't you sum summarize it, yeah? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, thank you. Yeah, it sounds, sounds powerful. But yeah, how many of us have really, can see really clearly the tremendous benefits and learning from some difficult experiences? Yeah. That interesting, right? And and so, you know, sometimes we say to ourselves in the moment, "Oh my gosh, another learning opportunity!" <laughs> right? So great. So, anyone else like to share maybe a, a form of generosity practice or gratitude practice or anything else you'd like to ask? Yeah, uh, I see Nancy, please. Oh, my. Well, yeah, quite, quite powerful, Nancy. Thank you for sharing that. Such a close connection between your losses and your offerings to the world, your generosity and, you know, well, quite something, isn't it? How that happens, yeah. Maybe time for one more, if there is someone. Uh, Amy, please. Yeah, really just the... Um, Really pointing to Amy, I think just very the, the 
the simple nature of generosity, you know, just touch in a time when people may, you know, just uh, knowing that that's for many people is not so common, right? And to, that's uh, um, beautiful. It's really just on that very, very basic level, an offering of generosity. And it probably could bring us into that simple sense of gratitude for the, just the nature of touch, right? And just the, the fact, oh, look at this miracle. My consciousness has sensation and I can actually touch and feel touched and so forth. So, yeah, it, it opens up a lot so much to simplicity. Just, these are, this is not complex and these are all workable. So, you know, let me, um, let's finish by taking a few moments to reflect on if this, um, if our exploration resonated with you, take a few moments. How might I myself take some of this further, you know, in terms of cultivating generosity and or gratitude? Just take about a minute to reflect. And then just remembering those very simple and basic ways of taking generosity and gratitude as practices for generosity, something like, let me consciously act in a generous way once or twice or three times during a day, every day. That could be a very simple practice that would keep this alive. For gratitude, it could be, again, once or twice, three times a day, bring to mind what you're grateful for. Take a few minutes, it doesn't need to be very long. And doing these every day helps these uh, really become alive. So I'll end with the uh, traditional practice that we do at the end of a session called the uh, Dedication of Merit, which in a way is a generosity practice. It's saying whatever benefits there may have been in our time together, may we offer those benefits to us, to those in our lives, and then beyond our own circles to all beings. Can we relate in a generous way to all beings? offering the benefits and fruits of our practice, of our time together, to all beings and remembering, again, very much the spirit of generosity and gratitude, that we are part of all beings, that interconnection is the most basic reality of our lives. So thank you so much. 
And thank you for helping me explore generosity and gratitude. I think I can approach my difficult experience of the morning in a different way. So really things have worked. So thank you so much. And if you want to unmute and we could say goodbye to each other. I'll do my hands like I usually do. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. Till next time. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Carlita. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You too. Okay, goodbye. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.